Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is Previously Live. Falling apart right in front of you. Just caught in the undertone. Just caught. Howdy. Hey, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can, actually. Awesome. Uh, I, I know you had uh, keloid surgery, I think, recently. I hope you're recovering well. Well, right um, now, the real home. difficulty is that I have a tummy ache from soup that I ate. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I, that, that seems like it's a, a pretty good uh, uh, result, if you ask me. I had a couple surgeries myself, so I know how tough it can be to recover. No, it's ruinous. Um, <laughs> I would take anything over the tummy ache. <laughs> I, I feel you. Um, so th thank you for having me on. I just want to start by saying that um, I've been a fan of yours for like two plus years. Um, I appreciate you a lot for having me on here. Um, I think the contributions you've had uh, on this platform, radicalizing people, spreading class consciousness and socialism is really amazing. Um, I despise leftist infighting personally, and I think despise our differences, uh, despite our differences in any way. I think by the end of this conversation, I know I'll have more in common with you than like a neoliberal or a fascist. I just want to put that out there to start. Comma, um, but right, 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 exactly. Um, I I think your content on race is kind of troubling in some ways. I think you sometimes can tend to have a, in my opinion, neoliberal colorblind approach to racism and and, and prejudice. Um, I don't think you can treat the experiences of black people and white people as the same. Um, I know biologically racism practically means nothing, but. Uh, as a social experience, and um, I think there are arbitrary racialized structures that have tangible impacts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, of course. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of rhetoric I've heard from you regarding race and prejudice, um, it, it kind of verges on that colorblind approach, I think, because it ignores, I think, sometimes the power dynamics that inherently exist within a white supremacist society. Um, so, for instance, like you, I, I'm sure you've heard of the racism versus prejudice um, sort of concept when it comes to uh, marginalized people and sort of the white majority, right? Yeah. Right. So, like, prejudice would be like, I hate white people, you know? And, like, obviously that's wrong. That, 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 that's bigoted. But racism would be, like, prejudice plus social power, where it's like, I hate black people, and I could take away your voting rights as, like, the ruling majority. Yeah, right? I don't like that perspective. Okay, uh, I, I would like to get into that. Why, why, why do you not like that? I mean, I, I think it's pretty. I think it sticks. Uh, it, 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 it sticks up with like the the test of time. I think historically speaking. Well, his, it's. I mean, it, it hasn't really because it's still a pretty niche definition that's emerged relatively recently from like academic spaces. Um, True, and it, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, it's it's fine. I just think I would rather distinguish between racism and systemic racism. There are two reasons for this. First of all, there's nothing semantically incorrect about racism and systemic racism being the distinguishing characteristics here. Um, when, what you talked about there, like, both are racism, but one of them actually, like, is weighed by social power. You know, I think that's well conveyed. And the other thing is, this, is, I mean, it's kind of like, I guess, an optical thing. But we're talking about terminology, and the point of terminology, all language is to communicate meaning. So the problem is, the whole, like, racism equals prejudice plus power thing is really bad communicatively when trying to get across the point to people who are not like in the bubble you know like trying to explain yeah. to somebody like no it's not racist for a black person to scream fuck whitey and then hit a white person on the head then run away like that conversation goes nowhere fast 
And I feel like it'd be so much easier to just go, yeah, it's racist, but it's an individual act of racism. It's not really a contributor to like a broader, like systemic type of racism. And I feel like that's like, I, I've never had a conservative, like look at that distinction and cause the same kind of trouble that they would if I was trying to do this like prejudice racism distinction. Yeah, I would agree with you in, in most cases, but I think that it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I think you could say that um, someone saying, you know, fuck whitey and hitting a white person is really, it, it's bad, it's prejudice, it's bigoted even, but you can also lead up with, well, okay, this is why, I mean, there's systemic issues that affect his daily life. Um, you know, there, there is a structure that has told him and people like him that he is subhuman and that he is he, he should hate his own skin color and, of course, like denies him opportunities left and right. So, like, I think that conversation can be had and still while still getting across the point that what he did was wrong, you know? Yeah, but you can do that while still saying what he did was racist. It's literally a hate crime. Um, the, uh, you know, the race was the distinguishing <laughs> factor there. But that doesn't take away yeah. from the analysis. Like, you can just say, like, yeah, it's racist to run up and hit white people while screaming fuck whitey and then you can be like you know okay well there are these other issues that are more you know like racism isn't really defined by the rates of people running up to other people saying fuck your race than hitting them like there's more to it than that um but uh yeah it's it, like I, I i just don't feel there's any semantic meaning gained outside of like trying to um technicality out the racism thing you know like to try to like right yeah yeah make it harder to uh, convey meaning I, I don't I don't I'm not trying to remove the severity of, you know, the act of, of committing a crime that's like racially motivated, of course. But I think when you say that, oh, that's racist um, to something that a black person does, considering the context of the socioeconomic and racialized history, I think that that kind of, in my opinion, I think sort of negates his experience or his or her no, experience. Not at all. You can be a victim of racism and still be racist. I don't think it negates the experience at all. I I don't think there's any relationship there at all. Like there's no way in which it negates the experience. Like it's I, I feel like that's a non starter. It's they're not related, right? Like you the experience is there and also it was a racist thing they did. But I don't think those contradict in any way. I think people would often conflate those things, though. Like, I, I hear a lot, a ton of conservatives say, like, oh, you know, this is reverse racism or, uh, you know, not letting me uh, revoke CRT from my school system. That is like some sort of reverse equated racism with with like, I, I, like, for instance, like the social systemic issues, I think, those people aren't going to be enormous factor. I agree. But those people are not going to be brought over to the correct position by arguing that what that hypothetical black person did isn't racism. If you want to bring those people over, then you have to meet them where they are with the acknowledgement that it is racism, which is, you know, true. Um, and then you can be like, but here are the distinguishing characteristics. And okay. I don't think this is a social issue that can be solved with a semantic redefinition of what racism is. And I haven't seen it ever convince like any people who have wrong positions on race issues. I, like, uh -huh. I've never seen this work to like, enhance right. people's understanding of the issues often the opposite happens I, I yeah i i would say that with people who don't necessarily agree with like critical race theory absolutely but i think the way i think the way, way the way in which you approach it which you don't use specified language you just kind of use like a broad um approach like oh that is like the same that is racist but you could also i understand now having this dialogue with you that 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 is your perspective but i think to um an average person of color who is, just comes into your community or is just like looking for leftist spaces and hears you, it, that, that distinction might not be known. And I think you, you 
have a broad appeal, I think, with uh, people who were once liberal or even sometimes far right. And you have a really good way of, of de-radicalizing um, uh, fascists, for sure. Um, but I think that that's not your entire audience. And I think there's more people out there who I think misconstrued maybe uh, how you approach race because of that. And I think it's important, I think, to to acknowledge someone's different experience um, and how you address them. But we're not talking about experience. We're just talking about a semantic rewrite. If they misunderstand my position, that's unfortunate. But they're not really the audience that needs to be targeted, right? Like black people who feel aggrieved by the racism versus racism equals prejudice plus power thing like those people mm -hmm. probably aren't voting for trump you know um we shouldn't That's be true. terming these concepts around what appeases the sensibilities of people who already agree with us we should be trying to construct them in a way that makes them as broadly agreeable as possible and in this uh, case we can do that without being dishonest or anything I'm, the definitions i use are correct um and uh, they don't lose meaning i I would uh, – it's tough because I think I, – I'm afraid we're, we as leftists are making the same mistake that the old socialists of like you know the 19th century made or the, the, the 20th century as well, where they, they did not include sort of the – or did not acknowledge the, the difference in oppression between um, white working class people and poor blacks and – or just the, the, the experience of blacks in general because I think in some ways race – uh, transcend socioeconomics in in many ways because like LeBron James can you know um, go to uh, go to court and you know use his money to to get out of it of course of like a serious um, allegation but he could also have the cops cops called on him and be killed in the process yeah it's so like that is analysis absolutely hundred uh, percent but I think that I think as leftists I think we, we should not make the mistake of um, excluding someone's experience because I, I, I but i'm I, not though nothing that i'm doing is negating anyone's experience or denying intersectional analysis it's just if racial prejudice is racism by definition that's the way it's been used historically that's the way people think of it we choose definitions for these terms but we're not gaining meaning by switching over to the i don't know woke or academic version or anything if wow. anything we seem to be losing meaning because fewer people understand what we're saying like how many conservatives have you seen <clears throat> saying like you know this isn't racist and then there are liberals in the responses who are like well technically racism is prejudice plus power and and they're like 40 likes 500 responses because conservatives right. are just not putting up with it it's really well, easy yeah. to just just go like, yeah, that thing that a black person did was racist. That, however, is not the same as systemic racism. I just, it just, it just works a lot better. I don't think you're denying any experience doing that. I, I think it, it is kind of, uh, I guess I would say like ignoring the, the power dynamics between the two groups. Well, that's the difference between regular racism and systemic racism. Well, but it also is interpersonal racism as well. Like I think. The, the power dynamic between individuals within that systemic uh, structure can also be problematic, I think. Like I mentioned earlier, like, well, do you know about the Central Park birder? Um, yes. who had the, yeah, that's actually my, that, that's my uncle. And that's a very close connection to me. Oh. And that was awful to see her weaponize her whiteness like that. And she knew what she was doing, you know? And that is something that exists at all times. If you wanted to call the cops on me, this is an example, but of, of you know having uh, uh, power, power dynamics between us. But if you wanted to call the cops on me, you, you could do that as a white person, right? And that could cause serious harm to me. That is not an even playing field that I would judge the uh, morality of 
prejudice or or racism. But I don't think it is because the effect of interpersonal racism is enhanced by systemic power. Right. Um, exactly. And that's and that's like the main weight, by the way. That's the mm -hmm. distinction. Um, you know, if you like a black person being called the N word or whatever, or whatever racism mm -hmm. they may experience interpersonally, like you know, I'm white, so I'm taking a guess here. But I'd be willing to stake a bet that the majority of the negativity associated with that comes down to all of the associated power structures aligned against black people and the knowledge that what's happening interpersonally is just a reaffirmation and a strengthening of those things. That every system is weighed against them and this is just like a visible, evident expulsion of that bias. Um, so the systemic yeah. part, that's the harmful part, you know, but I think you can, I think you can explain like what I'm saying right now, like, and we agree on that, but what I'm saying right now is what I would say to a conservative when trying to explain the difference between these two. I have never succeeded or seen anyone else succeed in the whole, getting a conservative to go along with, well, it's not actually racism because there's not the power element, you know? Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you on that point where like it seems like it's talking to a brick wall of like, well, my experience and also when it comes to like white privilege that gets used a lot, I think. And it, it's true in many ways. Um, but the way in which it's described often like a poor person from like a poor white guy from the Appalachian, you know, area would, would not associate their experiences being privileged. But I think on top of that as well, I think like by policing our language to, in my opinion, kind of appease uh the right it i think it, it harms our um means of spreading solidarity i don't think it think, appeases the right though i just think it's the it's the understanding and the terminology everyone gets behind um i think the right benefits in fact uh with the whole racism equals prejudice plus power thing because it makes us look like lunatics when black people will do obviously racist shit and white liberals will rush in to be like, well, technically that's not racism. Like, that's kind of a gift to them. It makes us look as divorced from reality as they say we are. I, I, I think in our conversation, we understand that, that difference, but I think most Republicans would not. And I think when you, when you do use the language that they're comfortable with, um, I, I personally see it as like implicit in their worldview of what racism is. And it's... Um, factor in like if you say that if you if you do equate it with like oh that it was, yeah, I agree with you that was racist oftentimes one that conversation ends there and and so they're like yes you agree with me that is racist and that is it that's fine um, and, it, that can be the end of it sometimes sometimes black I, people I are racist totally disagree. Or, I totally or, disagree or women are misandrist or whatever and we can just be like yeah that happened it was bad that's fine people do bad things yeah people do bad things but I think the conditions that they're that they're born from facilitate those actions. I don't think you could just say like, oh, he's racist and that's it. I can say, mm -hmm. you know, that is a, a, a wrong act that is fueled by prejudice, but it is born from an experience of unimaginable when, torment when you, for, for 400 years. When you pull so out a sociological equivocation like that, every time a minority does a bad thing, you make us look really bad. Just letting you know, like, because they notice, right? Like everyone sees they're not blind. You know, everyone can do bad things. But when the left sees a white person doing something bad, and we're like, yeah, fuck them. But when a black person does something bad, we're like, okay, well, you know, obviously this is a product of this and this. Like, that makes us look really, really bad. Um, because white people, like racist-ass white people, also 
are what they are because of uh, social influences over which they had very little control. Even people right. who are at the top of the power hegemony are ultimately subject to forces that they have no control and very little understanding over. So when we only pull out those justifications when minorities engage in this behavior, it makes it seem like we're like like we're cheating basically. Like we're 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 like we're 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 like faking it. Like it's a it's a like an ad hoc defense we can throw out at the last second to absolve people of wrongdoing. And that's how it's perceived. So it, I think it's okay. If a black person does something racist, I think it's okay to just go like, yeah, there's fucking racist, fucking racist ass black guy there. You know, that sucks. And, and just, if you want to turn that into like a broader thing, I think that's okay. Like you can use that as a springboard, but I don't think you have an obligation to then frame it like in a way that you're like absolving them or, or sort of deflecting an in individual guilt, you know? Yes. I, I agree that it shouldn't absolve them of guilt, of course. Like that that is what I would always say is like, you know, like of course what he did was wrong. I'm not just saying that as like a filler. I, I truly believe that if someone like robs someone in an inner city, obviously robbing someone is diff is is bad. But like think about his experience and what he's been through and what led him to that. And and I think like you can you can, okay. you, you can you can like believe mutually that that someone does something wrong and and bad, but like also at the same time, fight against the system that 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 like almost force them sometimes to do those things. Because when you're in abject pro poverty, obviously, uh, you're forced to do things that you know middle class, upper middle class people wouldn't have to do to survive in some cases. And I'm just saying, adding that context, I don't think removes any sort of guilt. I think it just adds. Uh, empathy and understanding, and also on top of that, it 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 sort of negates that that idea that that black people are inherently violent or inherently yeah. predisposed to like to violence. And that's good, but you don't need to do that. You you don't need to do that by reterming the definition of racism, and you can't just do that for minorities. Then, like there are a lot of white cops who are racist as fuck. And they're racist because they grew up to like abusive parents in the suburbs just outside the city they police and they've spent their entire life being told that like uh you know like interracial uh relationships and mixed race children are like plagues in society and people need to be kept their own they're as subject to social biases as any poor black person who has to steal to survive we're all subject to those if you want to address the like sociological root of a lot of these problems you can bring that up but like how would you feel about a conservative who pulled that line after a cop shot a black guy who was unarmed oh yeah he shot a black guy who was unarmed but keep in mind that cop's been subject to so much propaganda about the violent nature of black men and also you know all the training that cops get these days like encourages them to be really reflexive with gun you like you would call them out you'd be like no fuck that they shot that guy you know like yeah there are there are systems that go into this but like he did that shit you know and i think we need to apply that standard equally because if we don't i mean it does make it look like we're you know kind of playing favorites for our uh, for our political benefit i i sometimes don't care how I come across to people who are upset by the fact that there are systemic injustices and 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 differences between power dynamics between white people and black people. So like for instance, like yes, what they did was both wrong and they both have different influences as to what caused them or maybe fueled them to do those things. But we're talking about like a legacy of of uh socialization that is uh I, I, I try to describe like the the structural, I meant like like throughout history. I'm talking about like Levittown. So like his family, right? Levittown, GI Bill, 
black people were were completely uh, void from from accessing the economy mm-hmm. for most of American history. That influences both of their lives. It's a the black black man in this case who um, who robbed and stole his family grew up poor their family uh had you know his, his grandfather was a great great grandfather was a slave on the other hand uh this guy grew up his parents grew up in levittown had a different experience those are not equal i don't i don't know it seems like you're equivocating both experiences saying like oh regardless of what influenced them they're both equally as bad i don't agree with that no they're not equally as bad they're equal in the sense that both of them are the explanations for why they are what they are they're both equally powerful in influencing the behavior. Whether you're on top or on bottom of society, you know, black or white, male or female, trans or cis, uh, wealthy or poor, everyone uh, on an individual level is subject to biases they have very little control over uh, to a right. pretty comparable extent. You know, when you're powerful, you can shape biases in others, but, you know, everyone, you know, um, 95% of the people in power have like crazy daddy issues, you know, like ev- everyone's just a psychological mess. Um, so what, when you're, when you're talking about these systemic issues, you know, with, with black people or poverty or whatever, you're pulling that card, but pulling it exclusively to the benefit of minorities. This like, well, let's only talk about this, you know, like it can't, it's not racism, you know, sure that was bad, but let's do this. You know, I, I feel like you're not really addressing the problem there because at the end of the day, the problem is our inability to communicate these ideas effectively to the people who don't agree with us. And if you're using language that ostracizes or divides or 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 makes people feel like you're you're playing partisan games you're less likely to do that so normally i'm not a fan of seeding ground but i don't think we have to here because you don't seed anything by saying oh yeah that was racist and you can follow up from there if you want i i i don't i don't necessarily agree with that i think because the outcomes are completely different um for instance like uh a black person robs someone. This is a, a very like, you know, it it's it's it can he's a, he's a uh, subject of his environment. You know, of course he he has to do what he has to do to survive in some cases. But white people historically have like burned down Tulsa, Rosewood. You know, these these examples of of black autonomous um, cities. We're not talking that about races as groups. We're just talking about individuals' behaviors here. But you can't you can't separate the two. That 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 is I, I think you cannot separate those experiences from the broader um, history of race and racism because they 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 obviously intertwine at at every moment. I think it's not about ignoring the experiences. We're just talking about the experiences of of the people involved here, though. If there's a white guy who did something bad, you know they're that white guy. They're not the white people who burned down Tulsa. If a black guy no. does something bad, they're that black guy, not bl- all black people doing crime in America or whatever. No, of course not. But I think that that the experiences of Tulsa and Rosewood um, imprint on all of us, of course, and that dynamic and that allowed and, and that being allowed to happen with impunity impacts everything, I think. And it impacts the way we look at each other, the way we look at race. And that has been those are just two examples that's occurred throughout history but i'm not ignoring that i'm fine talking about that well but but you seem to divorce it from the interpersonal uh as opposed to influencing the interpersonal no well it i mean it does influence the interpersonal uh tulsa ain't happening interpersonally anymore because that happened like a hundred years ago but Um, but 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 the 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 wealth disparity that that created 
affected people, uh, black people, for for I mean, these people were run out of town. All of their wealth was liquidated, literally, and they they were forced to to leave and be just be in utter poverty. And this happened throughout the South, throughout the North. So it that material change affects everybody. It affects the country. It affects the individual. It affects us now, even of course. Yeah, but being poor and having been victimized in the past doesn't mean that you can't be racist now. You can be bad and do bad things regardless of whatever bad things have happened to you or groups of people you belong to in the past. That's just part of life, you know? I mean, if you take, like, you were talking about Appalachian coal miners before or whatever, you know? If you're willing to bet quite a few people who today are part of the Ku Klux Klan come from families that are, let's say, socioeconomically deprived. Um... They, uh, you know, probably a lot of shit stuff happened back then, too. And is there a correlation between rural poverty and joining the Klan? Absolutely. Undeniably, there is. Um, but you, you, st- you, you, can, you can acknowledge that, but you don't have to do that in a way that, that, you know, shelves blame or anything. I've talked about stuff like that with the Nazis. You know, a lot of Nazis these days in America are like incel white boys who get picked up right. on forums online by like, you know, essentially groomed by people who are looking for psychologically vulnerable young men with a poor sense of self-identity. That's something you could acknowledge, but then you can, you know, well, they're still Nazis. So black guys, you know, affected by the history of racism, great. But if they do a racism, they do something bad. I think it's fine to just go, yeah, that happened. That it, it was shit. There are black guys who do fucking drive-bys and gun downs in inner city areas because of you know right. gang activity. A lot right. of sociological stuff plays into that. But man, you're not going to convince anyone out of racism by being like, okay, well, you know, they 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 screamed "fuck you, whitey" and shot a white guy from the car. But it's not racism, you know. Let's talk about Tulsa. Like you're not going to bring in anyone over on that. You have to lead in proper. Yeah, it was racism. No getting around it. It was bad. Um, but let's talk about why we're in this situation, you know, and you divorce right. it from the individual. You're like, okay, so why are we here? And then you can talk about the big stuff. Well, I, I guess, I guess what, what I'm, what, how I approach this is like, I take the big stuff and then I incorporate the individual. Cause like, I totally agree with you that like, you can do both, um, at like, like what you just mentioned, like that exact, um, sort of frame of mind and the steps you just took. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's vital to not forget the because like poor white people and poor black people have so many commonalities of course and it's always been the objective of the ruling class i'm sure as, as you're aware to divide white and black people by race and that, that's always been the case um since, since you know the inception of slavery a uh, chattel slavery i should say um uh, andrew jackson universal white male suffrage basically did away with any sort of uh basic solidarity movements for like the, the better part of the, the the 19th and 20th century because essentially you could be poor and white and still say well at least i'm not an n-word now that, that was the saying no i agree so, but i ain't doing right. that i'm just saying if there's you know you're in mixed company you know the left or whatever and there's a black person there and they're being racist i think it's fine to call that out um i don't think you're excluding if anything i think you're being inclusive there because you're holding black people and white people to the same standard on an ethical basis you know i don't want yeah, but, to uh, work alongside uh racists so i think we should call out racism well i i well okay so if privilege exists right for white people and black people are I say the black person was was resentful of that that system and they lashed out in that way i would 
I wouldn't say, oh, I don't want to associate with you. I'd say, listen, I understand. I, I get it. But obviously, well, it depends on what person I'm talking about. I don't get it. What the fuck does the existence of racism have to do with the moral justification for lashing out at a white person? I don't get that at all. I don't think, I fit, doesn't that feel I a bit patronizing? That, it's like, oh, no. you know, you were racist, but you're, you're black. So, you know, I know it's tough to not do racisms, but, you know, you're just going to have to keep it in. Like, I don't know. They're, they're adults. They can not be racist. No. Okay. I think that, I don't, I think it's patronizing at all. I think, or patronizing to say, uh, it, I think it, it's just a difference of perspective here. I think my understanding of, of the, the black experience, at least as, as, as I and others I know and love, and, you know, just as, as a group have, have experienced influences everything i mean it, it influences and and, be, and because that that division and all the things we're talking about uh, when it comes to systemic injustices affect decisions i mean it affects how, how you look at at but someone else that's an excuse cause... for racists too what that's an excuse saying, for sorry? racists too systemic behavior affects you know all this affects behavior like yeah it does sure Plenty of white people are racist for sociological reasons. I mean, you know, but, but not for systemic reasons. I mean, well, uh, they are, but yeah, for systemic but reasons. Not, but but in in the position of power, that that's the difference. They, no. they are racist for systemic reasons, but for the relation of power, even they if have you're over in people power, of color. even if you're in power socially, that doesn't mean that you have more power over the systems that affect you. Everyone is subject to um, no. I, I think if those systems are, are dominated by a white ruling class, then absolutely. No, because then you're just you're just entrenched in white hegemony. Um, the fact that you're that, a part that, that, of the, what, being most wait, of American history, though, being part of the dominant group doesn't mean you're less susceptible to the propaganda of the dominant group. In fact, oftentimes uh, it's the opposite where dissident movements and uh, dissident thought are more prominent outside the hegemon. Within the hegemon, you have the greatest degree of conformity. Right. I, so if, if the argument is black people just do the oopsie whoopsie racism because they're being, you know, they've been subjected to, to bigotry and it affects them. I mean, white people have been subjected to things with equal strength that may lead them to being racist. But I don't think you can like absolve behavior on account of that. I I, ne I I never once said that I, I absolve behavior that I, I I've actually tried uh, you, to do the, the opposite. I mean, you kind of said, you know, like you like you'd go to them and you're like, you know, I understand why you did this. You know, like you would right, never do that for a white person. For four hundred, absolutely not, because the the their systemic situation or the 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 effects of systemic racism are not the same. They're benefited by the by the system. People of color are not. It's as simple as that. But they're and both their subject to the ideology from the system. No. Right, but the outcomes are completely different for each, for both of them because of their position of power. Yeah, but if the if the question at hand here is how in control are you over your behavior, I don't think there's a difference whether you're in or out of the hegemon. Well, of course, people have have gotten themselves out of poverty and have spoke against gang violence. People can can or in the opposite case have left the alt right pipeline and have commented on you know the uh, their experiences getting out of it. People can get out of anything, but these are age-old systems that have been entrenched and have daily effects on, on how we see. Uh, um, there's this really great example of this recent study that was done where these three preschoolers, or four, I should say, um, were sat around the table and they're supposed to look at uh, who's behaving badly, press a button, who you notice. And there's a black kid, white kid. I mean, it's, it's very multiracial. 
Um, but the actual test was on the teachers who were watching to see who they watched the most. And black women, uh, white women, I believe, Latina women, they all looked like it the most. So like these are things that, like you said, are out of our control in some ways. So but as you demonstrate, we are all subject but, to these biases. So why should black people 100%. be given more leeway when it comes to doing something that's morally wrong? Because the racial hierarchy is built to subjugate people of color. That, that, that is what it's built for. I mean, if you look at, I'm going to say historically again, uh, uh, you have white people, wasps at the top, black people at the bottom. Every other racial group that has been in the United States was judged based on their distance to and from whiteness and from blackness. So, so wait, the Irish, for instance. With respect, you keep answering mm -hmm. questions that are not. I know this. I'm aware of right. the, the hegemony of white supremacy. Right. What you're not getting is I don't care. What matters to me is culpability for one's own behavior, a sense in which we are all equal. Black and white people, whether they are victim or victor, on top or on bottom, hegemony or not, you know, we're all responsible for our behavior to an equal degree because we're I... all subject to the same. See, if you disagree with that, then that is by definition patronizing because you're saying well, black no. people are less in control of themselves. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, that it's easy for you to say that as someone who has not experienced what people of color have experienced. Sure it is. I think, I, exactly. And I, I think that that's it's the easy because that... it's right. Huh? It's easy because it's right. We're all equally culpable for our behavior. This is a very basic, like, moral... That, that's the same shit liberals say, where they say, like, oh, you know, we're all the same. Uh, you know, uh, we racism does not exist. I did not say uh, racism doesn't exist. And frankly, liberals right. don't either. Um, the all I'm saying is that we're all equally responsible for our behavior, which I fully believe. Yeah. Otherwise, like you, like you, the, you, you know, which groups we don't think that of the mentally handicapped and children. Those are the two groups that get deferred sentencing and lighter sentences for the same crimes. But as long as, you know, as long as we've agreed, you know, that black and white people are equals, at least in principle, not socially. Um, we have to acknowledge that we're all equally responsible for the consequences of our behavior. And as long as that's the case, I think it's okay to impugn a, a person of color for racism uh, just the way you would a white person, even if the consequences or outcomes are different, you know? Like, that's like saying it's, um, like, it's, it's okay if, like, a girl in a relationship throws a knife out of anger mm -hmm. more so than a guy because right. a guy right. could throw it harder, you know? Like, well, no, in I, both I, cases, I they're throwing, well, they're but, both throwing but... a knife. Right. But in that case, though, I mean, like men commit more violence against women domestically than I, I believe the well, opposite. I mean, black people commit more violent crimes. So let's not go that road. It, it doesn't matter. They're both responsible for their behavior. They both threw the knife. That's not good. I, I completely agree. But I think there's, there's uh, exterior arbitrary factors that influence that. And that should be taken into account whenever you you make any sort of uh, moral judgment i mean like like, like if, if if a black person killed a clan member right you wouldn't say oh man you murdered someone like you would not hold that to the same we're not talking about clan thing. members here we're talking about just regular white people and black people but if a white person screamed fuck black wait, people wait, and but, stabbed wait, a black wait, person wait. to death or a white or a black person did fuck white people and stabbed a white person to death i would say those are morally equal yes Wait a second, though. But but you, you make that stick between a clan member and greater society. But I I, I would obviously disagree with that, and I, I would say that that we live in a white supremacist structure that is that when that while influence it, it influences white people into believing that on some degree I believe that 
white people are superior and should run things. I mean, like that, that's just how it's been for but what, centuries. No, wait, and I think what does that is have that... to do with a person's decision to just up and stab someone to death based on their race? It's bad to do that. It's a hate crime. It's murder either way. Um, I, do, I don't think it's more permissible. Like, what you're arguing for right now is patronizing because you're essentially arguing for a lesser degree of culpability for all bad behavior done by people of color. Which... No, I would say equal culpability, but that, but, but the, the, you have to correct the, the, um, the oppressive system into that, making it equal. So you're not correcting for it by being more permissive to white people getting stabbed to death. I'm saying that, that well, that that person would still get charged. I'm saying that they wouldn't be uh, held accountable for their crime. I'm just saying, on a interpersonal level, I would understand the rage that would come behind that. I wouldn't say that 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 they would be any less guilty of that crime. No, okay, you can understand it in a sociological sense, but there's right. no rational justification. But you can understand anti-black racism from a sociological sense. From a sociological sense, Absolutely. you can understand Nazi, the Holocaust, everything. Right. The point right. of sociological analysis of people's behavior is to understand the systems that led them to that point. But that's the so that's not unique to like the black person doing racism. That would be the case for anyone. Like if a clan did a lynching, I could ponder that and go, mm, well, I understand sociologically why this happened. But that's that's not. I mean, that doesn't mean anything when it, with regards to moral culpability. Yes, I agree with that. I I, I do agree. Um, I I personally think that that like someone who okay i th I think we're we're getting a little lost in in semantics a little bit because i think we both agree to some degree that someone who commits a crime should be punished for that crime right and they both they both may be influenced by that systemic uh oppression in either way in either direction and that might have a awful outcome but <laughs> i'm i'm not like denying the validity of pointing out that we live in a biased system because we do and right. talk about that all the time it's just when it comes down to people's interpersonal behaviors what they actually do as an individual i don't think being a part of the um the oppressed group gets you a get out of jail free card when it comes to prejudice i think that, i think there's there's a lot of a lot of problems with that approach I I am I'm I've never advocated for someone getting out of jail free card, and I don't think understanding someone's experience under an oppressive um, system in this country is is patronizing in any way. I I completely disagree with that notion. But understand because you're using understanding differently here. Because I can understand the arguments Nazis make when they write their manifestos right. before doing right. a mass shooting, but you would never say like. Oh, yeah, the Christchurch shooting was bad, but I understand why they did that. Like, you wouldn't say that. You're using understanding with two different definitions, and you're, like, subtly replacing one for the other to, to, to avoid acknowledging the difference here. Because when you say understanding, what you mean is in a sense that absolves or mitigates blame. And when I say understanding, I just mean, like, analysis. Right, and and I I think it's because of the difference in perspective. I think I have more empathy. I think for um, a person of color who is in a really awful situation than I do a um, than someone who has benefited from the power structure in ways that they might not understand, but still have benefited. Like this country was made for white people 
from the beginning, and it was never made to enfranchise or um, make people of color citizens in, in, any, in any way, shape, or form. But I don't think that means you can run around murdering white people. Well, of course not, but... But you have more empathy well, for it. Yeah, like I have more empathy for people like the, the, the Haitian Revolution, for instance, right? They but ran they, around but... murdering white people who were actively enslaving them. But that, that was a slave rebellion that... Yeah, that was justified. a slave rebellion. But, right. But what do you think black not... liberation movements are, though? Like, like I mean, the same thing with like not the black slave liberation. Party. Well, but in, in a sense, yes, I think I think that that's what if you read uh, um, Revolutionary Suicide, uh, uh, anything by Huey P. Newton, honestly, or or Angela Davis, they they talk about um, uh, black liberation as a form of a, a slave revolt. We're I guess, not... uh, as... The white people in this country are not slavers mm -hmm. by virtue of their race. I'm not impugning John Brown here. You can, if, mm -hmm. if a black person's being enslaved, they can do whatever the fuck they want to their slave owner. Okay, that's not I'm that. I'm not questioning that. But like, you're equating right now. The example was a black person just doing a drive-by and shooting a white guy in the head while yelling "fuck whitey." Nothing about this is anti-racist or revolutionary or praxis or anything. So I feel like it's kind of damaging to compare that to Haitian Revolution or like. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Writings. I'm not comparing just murder. To, to the Haitian Revolution. That's not no, what that's what we were about. talking about, though. We were talking about randomly killing a white guy, and you started talking about like actual revolutionary ideology, which I don't think there's a relationship between those. I don't think randomly killing a... I'm saying... I'm talking about the empathy I would have for that person as being part of the... I, I don't agree with what he did, obviously, but I, we, keep, we keep coming back to this, it seems. I, I don't condone murder, of course, um, against anyone, but... If someone said "fuck whitey," I understand the sentiment behind that. Not condoning the action of killing that person, but I understand the sentiment. I guess that, that that's what I've been trying to say from the beginning, and I haven't really maybe conveyed that well. But that that is where I'm coming from. I mean, I think in a consequential sense, somebody like a black guy being like "haha, fuck whitey," and a white person mm -hmm. like like fucking hating black people, like consequentially, these things are different because of the right. imbalance in power. Just exactly. exactly in terms of like individual moral culpability, like. Right. What they're to account for, you know? Right. I don't think there's anything more morally permissible about a black racist than a white racist. The white racist may do more harm, but the ideology is what I'm morally impugning here. And in that case, I think they're effectively equivalent. You can see a lot of this when it comes to the interracial discourse, right? Like when we talk about anti-interracial marriage in America, we tend to think like the 1960s where white, you know, suburbanite dipshits were out there screaming about how our country would fall apart if black and white people miscegenated or whatever. But right. if you go on social media, you're going to find a lot of black people who are repeating the same arguments today. Um, but, they're okay, just but, doing it from a black perspective. And it's the, to be clear, it's the exact same ideology. No differences. I, I completely it's just, disagree. It's just being I, I don't done agree. from the other side of the aisle. But it's it's like building a wall, right? you can build the wall from one side or the other you know you can build it from mexico or america but when you both sides are done building the same wall will exist right there between white and black people even if you're the dispossessed group you're still building that wall okay so within the black community there's a legacy and you can see this like in comedy sketches it's reflected in the culture of black men marrying, marrying white women as a means of like uh asserting their masculinity um mm -hmm. as it was uh often repealed from them during slavery. I mean, during slavery uh, and, and after the antebellum in sort of the New, new South era, uh, one of the pinnacles of uh, masculinity was that your wife didn't have to work, right? 
you can go out and and make every uh, make everything work, and she is at home uh, in the domestic sphere. For black women, that was not the case for most of this country's history. They were in other white women's homes working for them. They had to work. That was emasculating for a lot of black men in history. And a means of reclaiming that masculinity um, was often marrying white women. Uh, and that also came with a lot of self-hatred and a lot of hatred, hatred of black women. And it, it, it's a shameful part, I think, of the black experience. Um, I think the, the resistance to inter interracial marriage for m I would say most black people is a resistance to internalized hatred and that legacy of internalized hatred rather than the same uh, pseudo scientific sort of like racial theory of most white supremacists who believe that you know white genes are superior. I know I've heard definitely some like fringe black people who said like oh black genes are superior. Obviously that that's like racial science, but I would not say that that's even close to the majority of, of people of color. It sounds like there are a lot of problems there that should be fixed, none of which are the ability for people to have interracial relationships. Like, when I see people, black people, talking about this, they're not talking about, you know, oh, we need to address this broader issue of class imbalances being reified through uh, white women not having to work, but black women having to work. Like, they're not talking about that, okay? They're giving interracial couples the same shit that white they, people do. Wait, hold on, hold on. That, they may races. not be talking about that and using that in their in their arguments, but that is absolutely the history that has influenced them. I mean, you so, can justify uh, they not, it they however you cite want. It. They may not cite that as as the reason why they're arguing this, but that is the reality, and that is what is understood, is I mean, that you, um, you, you white, can justify white people, that all you want, but it doesn't... It's it doesn't, not justification. It, it is, is literally... You're justifying it. Yeah. It is literally history. It is literally what happened in this country. White and racists that, and, are also justified by history and their ideology. I, I, I don't justified. care. It is, it is what history is what happened. It's objective. Wait, uh, this we're not, is, wait. Let's not is-ought conflate here. I acknowledge the racism. However, you shouldn't run around shaming interracial couples, no matter your justification. Not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying that that I, from the beginning of this conversation, I, I, I said that you seem to conflate these two when they are not on equal ground. And I think there's a legacy there that we have to that that, that has a specific um, connotation with black people than it does with white people. And it's not the same language it's not the same pseudoscience of racial genes for the um, most part the hotep types do yeah, the pseudoscience a lot that um, is fringe that is fringe um as opposed to majority of 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 white people like 48 percent of white people in this country believing that interracial marriage should be illegal like there's a wait 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 there. what's wait what 48 percent of white people in this country believe it should be illegal what's what source is that from um, I, I I don't remember if it's for, for the uh, on a national uh, uh, survey or if this was for Mississippi or a specific state, but I believe uh, that it was 48 percent of white people uh, uh, surveyed that they think that interracial marriage should not be legal. Well, I I'll can, need I to can see look that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can possibly post that. Um, hold on, real quick. Yeah, but it, there there is there is a a uh, vast disparity on how white people look at interracial marriage in this country and how black people do. Well, it's just historically, um, black uh, separatist groups have gotten along with like the Klan and shit like that um, and work towards the same ends. It seems like whenever, like historically, the movements from black and from white people that oppose interracial marriage have a tendency to shake hands on specific issues. Um, at, uh, at the end the of the day- the same way that the Nazis and the Soviet Union shook hands in a sense that like- But I think they're enemies. both fascists. 
Uh, I do not agree at all. That's, I don't say, think that's a that bad goal... example because I don't think there's that much of a difference ideologically between those two nations. Oh, I, I, I completely do. I think black nationalism um, in a society in which you've been repressed and subjugated, I think it's necessary to have spaces in which you can feel safe and cultivate wealth autonomously. I mean, would you agree with that? Like, like if you've been denied access to the economy, if you've been racially uh, – uh, uh, if if you have racial violence exacted upon you and you have no political power whatsoever, wouldn't you create a space where you would be safe for that? Wouldn't yeah, you, you can, like you yourself? can buy a right. house and then you can only marry but other black people. Most most people in in America could not, black people could not own land. This uh, is another thing. Well, too. wait, right now they can. We're talking like when right I, now we're talking about what we want right now and right but, now no oh, right I don't. now what. Right now, what I want is is I, I I don't want people to be segregated. Of course, I think we 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 should have an integrated movement. I believe we should have obviously like the color uh, the Rainbow Coalition was uh, uh, I think we should revive that in many ways because I think we we all have commonalities, of course. But that has to come with the uh, addressing I think tangibly the 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 differences in the outcomes for for both groups. Sure, I don't and think those going... outcomes. I don't think mm, you should do that with your separate group spaces or whatever. I don't know what exactly you mean by that. Like you mean segregated areas or or, or housing. No, no, no. So so the the I think many people misunderstand black nationalism as a concept. I think well, I'm pro black nationalism, speaking, but right, right, black not nationalism black doesn't mean. No, 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 hundred percent. I agree with that. I don't believe in 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 resegregating ourselves, but I think black nationalism specifically doesn't say no white people. It just means for the first time in history, black people would be able to interact with white people on their terms with economic and political power. What does that and, mean when you say that? Um, what what part of that? Interact on their own terms. What do you mean? Everyone interacts interact, on their own terms. Well, no, 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 no. They don't though, because black people. If if you remove political and economic power from a group of people, they they are not on equal terms. They cannot come to um, society as equal to other people, obviously. But if you can grow your own political and economic power, you can interact with white people on your terms, on what's acceptable. And like it, it has been the opposite for most of history that black people have always had to um, interact in hostile white spaces um, uh, for for centuries and not had any sort of opportunity to feel safe in their own environment. No, I I get that, but right. like specifically, what do you mean? Interact on your own terms. So like you you can choose the the environments which you want to be in. You can like so for instance like you would include white leftists in your black nationalist nation because obviously they they also want the same thing you do like black liberation. Like that's always been a uh, um, a factor of socialism is that it uh, inherent to socialism is black liberation. And of course, liberation of of racial minorities and um, ethnic minorities and uh, different sexualities and. But what uh, do you mean liberation? If all you're talking about is like black nationalism, spaces interact on their own terms. We mean like you start advocacy groups for black issues. You can already do that today. Um, I I don't know what specific steps forward you mean that would be more controversial. I mean, even oh, conservatives like have black advocacy groups for their own stupid reasons. Right, but they're not obviously black run, black owned. So I'm talking about black owned businesses, and black owned does not mean you cannot enter the house, uh, into the 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 store or purchase an item. But, black you know, people already own businesses; they already run businesses. A hundred percent, but it's not it's not centralized into a movement for black liberation for one and two. 
it has been obviously very difficult for for black people to build wealth and those businesses while there and while amazing um do not constitute a majority or or even like a a, a large amount you know by any sort of metric i think that there is uh that that pool of, of black owned businesses is is very small i think because historically of of the repression i get that but this is the more black ceos neoliberal argument for racial liberation uh, i mean i I, I don't i don't agree with that at all i it's, think it's i mean it's not like undesirable i agree it's preferable um, to a system in which right. it's overwhelmingly like white people on top um right but yeah i'm, I'm always always got to be careful when people talk about you know um what they mean exactly with black nationalism, because I've gotten very, very varying answers um, there sometimes, uh, you know, that I, that I quite disagree with. But I, I completely agree with you. I, I agree with you. And I, I totally understand that, that sentiment. And I, I would say I, I would largely draw from sort of the, the Malcolm X sort of era of black nationalism, where it's like, the white man's the devil, but I also have white people uh, I work very closely with who are leftist, and and obviously he was he was very close to uh, um, uh, leftism and and Marxism. Um, he even said in in a, in a famous speech he gave that if the white people who understand what's going down and are leftist came together with black people, you see real systemic change. And so obviously he was not saying, you know, whitey bad, no whitey at all. He's talking about the greater system and how it influences the majority of Americans who are liberal, conservative, well, so on. He still said whitey bad. He did renege on a lot of that stuff before his oh, death. After though. his pilgrimage to Mecca, absolutely. Um, but he, he did not compromise on the necessity for black spaces uh, to be uh, run and owned and on the terms of other black people because of the legacy, of course of uh separation from black people from from the economy from political power so on and so forth sure uh, sure i just don't think we have to hate white people or nothing i know a hundred percent i i don't hate white people my my dad is white i am i am multiracial um so i don't hate white people at all um i just think that the my my dad is also canadian he has a lot of canadian ancestry and oh, it's not really white. I, <laughs> exactly um and I, I'm sure that in 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 uh, their lineage, they've done some horrific things uh, in regards to the indigenous populations of Canada and North America. But I don't see, I don't blame my father for that. Um, I don't think we can blame any white person now, currently, for anything we've done in the past. I think white guilt is is obviously wrong in the context of why well, blame you for slavery in the 21st century. I do think though there should be some guilt amongst white people. For the uh, the persistence of white supremacy as the overwhelming system, I think that that is what we should focus on. Is that I don't make, I want you to feel guilty for slavery. I want you to feel guilty that this has persisted for so long without us doing anything anything um, radical about it and changing that that capitalistic white supremacist system. I don't think guilt is a very productive emotion. Um, you know, we, people have very little control over broader social circumstances like that even i mean even the president can't you know just single-handedly wrest culture one direction or another um nobody I, I, can sorry oh well yeah no i mean nobody yeah nobody can um even getting people on board with big cultural shifts like that can take a ton of time um and you know i mean people disagree on a lot of these issues there are white people who are uh, fully anti-racist and white people who most certainly are not there are black people who are completely fine with the system that we live in today and black people who certainly uh, are not. Um, I don't know. I just I don't feel like anyone as a part of their race should feel more or less responsible for these systems, only for their own behavior, because at the end of the day, that's all you can really control.
I, I disagree completely because I, I think I think the they when when a, a system has been built for you, I think, and and built to benefit you over others, you have a responsibility to dismantle it, and that is through uh, collective action, uh, stepping back, not centering yourself in in groups that that wish to dismantle that system, and supporting them as like allies, um, and that absolutely you can change on an individual behavioral level. I mean, you might not be able to do much about the system as an individual, but when you obviously collectivize, you can do something about it. I think that's what's most important is that uh, you can oppose that system that benefits you 100%. Yeah, sure. But I don't think that it has to be a guilt thing. You can just make a moral oh, argument for it. You can I, just say, yeah, I, I think people... Are, but I would say that to black people too. See, again, I, I, I wouldn't distinguish here if you're a beneficiary of the system. If a black person is not contributing appropriately to the uh you know the uh the fight against white supremacy i think you're just as uh just as right to call them out for it uh as, but, as if a white person wasn't but isn't but isn't that just being complicit in the system that benefits you i mean unless you're actively and constantly um attempting to uh, sub, uh subvert it and dismantle it you are complicit in it you know and and it, and you you may same for the black person well, yeah, but I think the the modus operandi is, is on the, the the white ruling class. We have all. I, I don't think you could expect the same amount of. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think that there, there should be, but I can understand why someone who's uh, absolutely devastated by poverty in an industry the community who is black, who has the compounding factor not of class but also of race, um, might not have the same tools to fight the system in the same way that someone who has benefited from the system, who is uh, likely upper middle class, can in the but same way. But it's not way. about and the tools. And use their to, to destroy it. It is about the tools, though. No, it's, it's you, about you cannot... moral, it's about the, the, like, the ideology that you're criticizing. No, I, I completely no, disagree is, because... You, a utilitarian <laughs> framework is acceptable when we're talking about people's behaviors and actions and such. And obviously, mm -hmm. if you're going to choose targets on who you should, you know, like if, if there's one guy you can push, to like be anti-racist and you have the choice between Jeff Bezos and some 70 year old black guy in Detroit, you know, like obviously you should make the right choice. You should make the utilitarian choice there, you know, power and the tools they can use. But when we're criticizing people ideologically, like when we're saying, you know, the moral culpability, the, 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 the harm of the ideology itself, um, I think that's like a fairly level playing field. Now, so if we're talking like activism, like action, like changing things, then of course you should direct your time towards trying to win over the most powerful people, the wealthy, the white, so on, because those people have the greatest ability to affect change. But when we're talking about like whether it's wrong or not as like a, a principled, like ideological thing, you know, I can say maybe a black person being complicit in white supremacy doesn't contribute as much harm, but it is right. as bad of them to be that as a white person and interpersonally if i knew a yeah. white person a black person who were both um disinterested uh in these kinds of issues i would hold them both negatively to that oh i i, I totally agree i have no sympathy for i think people of color who um reject class consciousness um or to some degree like you know promote capitalism of course i'm not you know i i i always reference the the fred hampton quote where it's uh, we don't need uh, we need solidarity we don't need black Capitalism, we need socialism. Yeah. Um, as an ideology, absolutely. Uh, but I don't think that 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 changes the fact that white people hold, and this is like poor, uh, to to lesser degree, of course, but also just in in general, uh, those upper middle class, rich, 
have the power to change the system uh, in in so many meaningful ways that I think black people just don't just don't have access to in, in many ways, uh, short of short of violent revolution, of course. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. That feels like a like a what is that? What do they call that? Black pessimism. Um, I don't know if I agree with that position. Uh, still, you know, it's not always about what you can actually do to change things. It's about the ideology you hold. Ideology, you know, it spreads person to person, system to system. Um, I, I think it's yeah. important to, for everyone to feel on board. Um, you, you want everyone to participate in the, uh, the, the dissemination of an ideology. I don't think it makes much sense to like interpersonally weigh it or to, 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 to go like, you know, okay, well, I think white people should feel guilty for being complicit. You know, I think that trying to push for, you can call it race blindness if you want, but I unironically do think it's better for the dissemination of an ideology to do so in a race blind manner. You know, if something's good, it should be good for everyone. If you're making a moral argument, that moral argument applies to everyone. Um, it, it, you, you do nothing but divide the movement and, um, create culture war bickering. I don't know because I I think sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. I was gonna say that I don't I don't materially black working class people and white working class people have different needs um, simply because the way that they've been treated along racial lines is not the same even though they're part of the same class and so I I, I think I I don't I definitely disagree with that. Well, they may have different needs in terms of what racial problems they need amended. But if you're right. making a moral argument for an ideology that applies to both of them, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm not talking about moral. I think I'm just talking about material um, oh. in, in many cases. But morally, I completely agree when it comes to ideology that, that we should hold everyone to the same standard of, um, you know, black liberation and, and um, leftism and class consciousness. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I just, I think all this is cut down with, you know, whitey's the devil, uh, white people should feel guilty for X or Y. Oh, you know, when a black person shoots a white guy, says fuck whitey, um, it's prejudice, not racism. I think all this stuff really weighs down the conversation in, in ways that can make it really, really difficult for people to get on board with, um, with, with fighting against these systems. And as much as we don't want to be complicit, you know, we will obviously need to word our arguments in a way that uh, the, most people will be receptive to. Otherwise, we have no chance um, in, in, yeah. in affecting any of these changes. Right, right. And, and I, I, like, I, I, the thing I want most, I think, is to, to get all of those um, blue-collar uh, Trump voters from like, you know, Pennsylvania, the, the uh, you know, the post-industrial Rust Belt to understand that they have more in common with someone who's poor and black than they do with Trump, who's, you know, the the epitome of, of capitalist greed. And the best way to do that, I understand, is like through making um, connections when it comes to how class affects both. But I think without the understanding of, oh, racially, I have power over this person under the system, that leads to an unequal out, uh, outcome. Yeah. Um, You're never going to yeah. get them on that, ever. You're never going to get them on that. But it's true. No, it doesn't, matter, true. What, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. That's, that's you... irrelevant, in fact. The, the last thing, if you want to bring those people over, the last thing you want to do is make them feel like they're wrong for having not already agreed with you. 
when you w bring in all this guilt weight, all this, uh, oh, you know, my bias affects me, this or that, no one's going to convert to an ideology where there's original sin attached, which is exactly what lefties talk about when they talk about checking their privilege, this, that, the other, you know. The goal is to reframe an existing moral position they hold. And most people, even conservatives, are anti-racism in their minds, you know. Their, just, their definition of racism and what is and isn't right, racist is super warped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, they're right. like, they're anti-racist because they think we already live in a meritocracy. Right, exactly. So, right, exactly. critical race theory is racist, but like white people running the show at the Fortune 500 is just because our culture is better. You know, in their mind, right. that's meritocracy. But if you challenge that with this like, oh, you're you're culpable, the, the weight of your privilege bears upon you you must take ex extra burden to compensate for you know they'll never get on board with that you just have to try to rewire their existing biases and frustrations in a way that makes them more aligned with our own you know so a good i agree yeah 100%. yeah yeah and, and and that's really difficult to do it's also nearly impossible to do on race issues the best way right. to do it is through class issues because right. most people in america have this bereaved sense of you know uh like they're being fucked over by some group of powerful people. Right. It's just for conservatives, it's like Hollywood and the liberal elite. And, and the, 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 you know, Nancy Pelosi's fucking them over as opposed to, you know, the system of, yeah. The exactly, yeah. So historically, that's been the, the most effective vector by which people can be moved over. Better that than them being moved over by, I don't know, the Jewish question, which is the other right. big direction people go when they're told that a group of powerful elites control their lives. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the approach that I think works best, you know? And that's why I think yeah. there's been so much friction between liberal academic types and I guess I guess what I'd like kind of jokingly call the silent majority in America because these people are not respected outside their academic groups you know mm -hmm. absolutely um I I yeah I, I agree with almost all of that uh I think for sure that that and it's really fascinating too because the Republicans will, will look over to um uh black people and be like oh you know Join with us, you know. We're we're part of like the we're going against the establishment, you know. And they they, they genuinely want to forge connections between everyone. I see so many comments of of conservatives saying uh, like this the the they're almost there. Like that radical revolutionary um, rhetoric is there, and they're so close to understanding that it is capitalism that is uh, systemically oppressing them, and not you know the democratic establishment. Or it is, but like in, not not the same. Well, way right, yeah, in a, in a different way, though. No, yeah, I agree. Right. That's and that's the that's the difficult work. It's why they killed. It's why the feds killed Fred Hampton because Hampton, he was yep. effective at blending um, racial um, radicalism with um, anti-capitalist right. uh, rhetoric that, that united right. people. Yeah, you know, he was very dangerous to them. Um, yeah, Malcolm so. X too, uh, and uh, MLK. Uh, uh, MLK was at the. Uh, the um the strike he was at the uh, Mississippi strike or not a Tennessee strike I believe, um and he was that is what killed him I think was him bringing together um the classes as opposed to you know um just speaking on behalf of ra uh, racial equality he's also speaking on class uh, unification as well oh yeah for, for sure. sure um well shit it's been a clean hour I um I I, I yeah. feel like I feel like we've done the dance and had a good time. I, I agree. I hope um, that, you know, we, we come to an equal understanding. I, I definitely came out of this uh, agreeing with you, I think, in the, for the most part. I think it's just like the, for me, I think it's the perspective that I've had in my life that colors how I, f it's very, very emotional, I think, for me, you know? 
No, I completely understand. I also don't think our disagreements are really like that severe at all. Um, absolutely. I'm, absolutely. Sure, I'm sure to some people they may seem to be, but I think they're they're really quite trivial. Um, absolutely. I, I would join with you in the vanguard any any day. Right. The um the the pro white vanguard because I, since I'm <laughs> since I'm uh, racially uh, uh, neutral and colorblind, uh, being uh, pro black and pro white, you know, they're the same to me. So, um, yeah. The with a white pride rally. Uh, really yeah. though, I I appreciate you coming on. Uh, th thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. You have a wonderful day, okay? Hey, you too, comrade. Bye-bye. That was nice. Okay, yeah. I, I feel like, so there were, some, there were some points there where I didn't know if this would diverge into like a Professor Flowers tier thing, but it didn't. I don't, um, I, uh, I don't think he's any, I don't think he's even remotely in that ballpark at all. So, I, yeah, I don't want anyone to be like, um, yeah. Don't be, uh, don't, don't be uncharitable there. I think, um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was a good convo. Oh, um, I also wanted to say, just to clarify, so as a so consequentialism, blah blah. Obviously, like the morality of an action is determined by the consequences of that action and the rules that it sets forth for future actions, so on and so forth. When I talk about like criticizing people for their um, like the weight of their ideology, I uh, what I'm kind of I'm trying to assess like the the moral status of the things they believe in a vacuum in their brain. And then like all the social stuff, all the consequences, all the effects are like multipliers that take place outside, you know? So like, let me, so like, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Let's say we have two people who are um, social Democrats, okay? Uh, one of them is a regular guy and the other one is the United States president, okay? Now, social Democrats uh, are, are pretty good, you know? I mean, they're not, I, I think you can go farther, but there are certainly worse things out there than social democrats. Okay, so uh, so let's say you they both have the same ideology. Okay, now let's make a change. All right, the the um, the social democrat uh, um, uh, who's not the president becomes a serial killer. Those are, I guess, mutually exclusive. Drops the social democrat becomes a serial killer. Definitely a downgrade in terms of the moral worth of their ideology. Okay, you know. Um, you, you know what I mean? And the president goes from being a social democrat, um, to a liberal. Okay? So both of them experience a decline, uh, of equal worth. No, no, obviously the serial killer is way, way, way worse. Okay, so social democrat to liberal, and the regular not president goes from social democrat to mass murderer, a serial killer. Okay? Now, obviously, being a serial killer is worse than being a liberal. Hard as it may be to accept sometimes, that is the case. Um, however, more harm will be done by the president going from social democrat to liberal than from the regular person going from social democrat to mass murderer. Because a president is so powerful that the differences in how much of a welfare state they're willing to fund and advocate for could lead to the death or not death of tens of thousands of people. The difference between social democrat and liberal from the perspective of the presidency involves the well-being of an entire nation, meaning that minor changes in their ideology can have massive impacts on, um, on, on uh, well, consequentially, on, on the world. So that's the distinction that I would make. Being a serial killer is worse than being a liberal, you know, sometimes. Um, however, in a consequential sense, the, the ideological change from sock dem to liberal as the president is more damaging than one regular person 
going from sock dem to serial killer. Does that make sense? Do, do you understand what I mean there? Like, I, I'm obviously using kind of like a hyperbolic example, but the idea is I'm like, I'm trying to evaluate the moral character of a belief system first, and then like the consequential stuff goes out on top of it. Because I find that if you don't do that, you start treating people's ideologies in a really inhuman way, where you'll have like, um, you'll, you'll, you'll like, it, you'll, you'll be thinking about like, well, who should be a socialist or who should be a progressive? And you're thinking like, okay, well, homeless people don't need to be those things because they're powerless and will probably be dead soon. Uh, and the poor don't need to be those things as much as the wealthy. So I don't really care if they hear it. So I'm not going to reach out to the poor. I'm going to reach out to the powerful. And then like you get in this weird situation where you're treating like a, like a moral position as some kind of currency where you're trying to maximize return on every per Does that make any sense? So I try to think of it as like um, you try to evaluate the system on its own and then you think of how it works when applied to different groups of people while still believing it's valuable when applied broadly. So yeah, that's my thought. I don't know if this is fully philosophically coherent. I believe it's consistent with my ideology, but anyway, that's how I think of it. Vosh, genuine question. If you had his belief on leniency towards marginalized people being racist, would you also logically have to accept that you're fine with racism from Israel or Rwanda, states where marginalized persons' racism does have bloody impact? Well, in, the co in, in Israel, the Israelis aren't the marginalized ones relative to their own system. So it's, it's kind of a relative determination. I'm quite sure the guy that I was talking to would be pro-Palestinian liberation. Uh, if, he, if he wasn't, I'd be, um, I'd be, um, I'd be very surprised. I-N-word, nice try, with the 888. Thank you. Just recently watched Fully Cooley. Don't understand your praise for it, where the story was completely incoherent and couldn't connect to any of the characters at all. Nice try getting me stunlocked, but I'm going to be brief with this one. I'm gonna, gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be brief. Um, uh, the story is highly metaphorical, but it's not incoherent. It's a coming of age story that's about the relationship between Nauta and the people in his life, his waylaid sense of maturity, and the bad things that happen to him and the way he grows from it. So think of the plots of an episode, not about what's literally happening, but rather about the impact it's having on his psyche and the relationship that change in his psyche has with the people in his life. So try to think of it like that. Um, if you tr reading a like wiki page that has a plot synopsis of every Fully Cooly episode, like line by line, would be nonsensical. But if you try to understand it as like a stream of consciousness expression of feeling, uh, I think it. I think it's a lot more interpretable. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Somniostatic is right. Symbolism is shown literally. So, whereas a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, cowards embrace subtlety, you see, in Fully Cooley, if something is symbolic, they will literally just, like, flash through it, like, animation-wise. Like, a good example, okay, just this point, then I'll move on. A good example is that there's a part in the first episode where, um, Nauta and Haruko are standing on opposite sides of a room. They're having an argument. So there's about 20 feet between them, right? Is everyone following? I, I wish I had visuals for this, but I'll just try to describe it. They're having a heated argument. The, the pace of the argument is increasing. Nauta doesn't want Haruko to stay in his house. Uh, Haruko is a manipulative bitch and will say anything to get whatever she wants. Spoilers. Um, and over the course of their argument, it cuts between a couple of shots which are meant to represent the tone of the scene without um, 
actually being literal representations of space. So there's a there are very flat like very quick flashes where Haruko is all of a sudden right in front of Naota with a hand on his shoulder or where he's decapitated and holding his head or where like he's slumped to the ground like flat like two frames three frames in the middle of the uh, the conversation and that's not literally happening it's a visual metaphor to describe the like the the way they feel in the scene namely that Haruko is manipulative yeah and and that he he feels cornered by her um so even though they're physically on opposite sides of the room you know for the, the to key you in on how he feels there might be a flash of a scene where she's standing over him looking down leeringly uh and then it's back to where they are on the opposite sides of the room um and i really like stuff like that because subtlety is for cowards and i think you can do a lot of interesting stuff when you're willing to be literal with your um with your uh with your symbolism um yeah, it shows them discussing it. Ah, fuck, wait, if I just went, could I, could I not just find that? Fooly Cooly episode one. It's so old, it's probably on YouTube, right? But I can't play it because I'll get copyright striked. But it's probably like three-fourths of the way through the episode, if I remember correctly. No, two-thirds? Okay, there. Right there. I'm literally just going to show it with no audio, but this is exactly what I mean, okay? They're having an argument on opposite sides of the room. Dub? That's just what I found when I searched it. Also, the Fully Cooly dub is great, okay? They're having an argument on opposite sides of the room. And there's a scene where she reaches to try to touch the bandage on his head, and he slaps her hand away in a second. And then she, he yells at her. But they're on opposite sides of the room. She never actually got near him. It was a way of indicating that, like, she was... Like, she was trying to... Like, like she was being, like, possessive and overbearing. But, yeah, just that kind of thing. Does that make sense? The scenes, every episode of Fully Cooly is full of shit like that. I get it, but I don't know how to feel about it. That's fine. It's just, it's a particular style. There are just very few pieces of media that do that, and I wish more of them were willing to, you know? Um, especially because in animation, you can do a lot of really, really cool stuff. And people, uh, the, the suspension of disbelief is a lot, like, higher for animation because you can do, like, wacky squash and stretch kind of stuff. Like, people are willing to be more interpretive when it comes to animation, necessarily. Um, and you can, like, if you're willing to do it, you, you can get away with so much, um, and make it good. Um, could you think of another example? In Fooly Cooly? Okay, I'm not gonna show it, but, like, there's an entire episode where Haruko replaces Naota's dad with a robot of Naota's dad so that she can seduce Naota's dad, but the robot of Naota's dad. And then Nauta finds his actual dad covered in cockroaches in a kitchen cupboard. It's, it's a whole thing. Didn't you say you wouldn't get stunlocked? It's my favorite anime, okay? All right, fine, all right. That shit confused me when I was little. Yeah, well, it's, it's very confusingly laid out. Yeah, but it's also, you know, it's, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. All right, Biden speech. C-SPAN, let's go! Yeah, a lot of trigger shit is like that as well. I mean, who here has watched um, Kill a Kill? You know how um, Mako will jump into a scene and then a spotlight will appear on her and you'll hear the hallelujah um, and she'll start like rambling about how people should be nicer to Ryuko and there will be takoyaki, that kind of stuff. Like obviously it's not really happening, you know, it's, um, it's just, um, yeah. That's just Looney Tunes 101. Yeah, and the Looney Tunes was really good. Looney Tunes was great. I hate this modern era of animation with, like, in the West especially, with its tweening 
and its like relative literalism. You know, I am totally okay with deliberate wacky abstraction, even if it comes across as kind of corny or um or uh, overbearing or like even poorly executed sometimes, because at least it's interesting. Uh, all right.